I want to tell you about Iron Mike Malloy, a bloke who was the victim of several murder attempts as some people tried to commit insurance fraud by collecting on his life insurance policy. This bloke was seemingly indestructible, hence the name Iron Mike, and a lot of these murder attempts, well, all but one of these murder attempts, were completely unsuccessful, as you'll discover. This bloke just would not die. Michael Malloy was born in County Donegal in Ireland in the 1870s, and he emigrated to the US, to New York, where he worked as a firefighter. But uh, the poor bloke in later years fell on hard times. By 1933, at around 60 years of age, he was destitute, he was homeless, and uh, he had taken to the bottle to drown his sorrows. Malloy's in and out of bars every day, drinking himself to death, and uh, there's a group of blokes who notice this and think, and think to themselves, well, here's a bit of an opportunity for, uh, for us to earn a bit of a payday. If he's going to drink himself to death, they think, then why shouldn't we make the most of this? One of these fellas, the, the ringleader, Tony Marino. He owned a bar that Malloy uh, frequented, but Marino's also a bit of a crook. He had pulled off an insurance con, uh, an insurance fraud con, con previously, the year before, in fact. He'd made friends with a woman named Mabel Carson, uh, tricked her into taking out life insurance, naming himself as the beneficiary, and then killed her by getting her drunk, soaking her bed in cold water and putting her in it next to an open window in winter. She was found by the coroner to have frozen to death. Uh, That's what the medical examination came back as the cause of death. Unfortunate, of course, but not suspicious. And so Marino had collected on the life insurance that she had taken out with him as the beneficiary. And so with this successful insurance fraud in mind, four blokes, Marino, along with Daniel Kreisberg, Joseph Murphy and Francis Pasqua, Uh, they put their heads together and decide to run this con back. This group becomes known as the Murder Trust, but this time, of course, they are targeting Malloy. The the next time that Malloy came into Marino's bar, the bartender, Joseph Murphy, uh, plied him with booze, got him properly plastered before tricking him into signing some documents that he claimed were a uh, a political petition. Malloy signed them because, of course, he's he's blind drunk, too maggoted to realise that he had just signed applications for life insurance. And now with these applications duly signed, uh, the group used a corrupt insurance agent with the required moral flexibility to go around uh, with Pasqua and a mate of his. We still don't know who this bloke was, interestingly. Uh, This mate posed as Malloy in a bunch of meetings with insurance companies. They managed to take out three separate policies, amazingly. They paid the required premiums and then went back to the murder trust to inform them that they were ready for the next stage of the plan. And the next stage was quite simple. They were going to just let Malloy drink so much alcohol that he would keel over dead. This wouldn't be suspicious at all, as he was known to be a big drinker, and his death would be put down to, uh, well, I was going to say natural causes, but, you know, unnatural causes, I guess, just putting back too many jars, unfortunately. Anyway, the next time that Malloy came into Marino's bar, ready for another day of heavy drinking, he is delighted when Murphy tells him that all the booze is on the house. It's free. He's got an unlimited tab. And Malloy doesn't waste time. He starts sinking shots like there's no tomorrow, which for him at least, the murder trust are hoping there will not be. Murphy keeps filling and refilling his glass, but Malloy is putting him back no trouble at all. And despite being pissed as a chook, he's not passing out, not passing out or anything. He spent the entire day drinking, but then he staggers out of the bar, off his face, but still standing, and the murder trust don't know what to do. They're thinking, well, bloody hell, what's going on? The whole point of this exercise is to make it seem like an accident. They can't 
grab him and bonk him on the head. That had obviously come up in the autopsy. So they let him go, knowing that uh, he'd probably be back the next day for more, and he couldn't keep up drinking like that forever. He's going to keel over and die at some point. And sure enough, the next day, Malloy turns up. Once again, he's given all the booze that he can drink, which it turns out is quite a bloody lot. And so as Malloy is putting him away, the murder trusts come together for a quick chat and they decide, well, we, we, better, we better speed things up here. They have Murphy, the bartender, switch out the liquor that he'd been giving Malloy with, get this, antifreeze, right? But this didn't seem to bother Malloy at all. He kept drinking very cheerfully. He's now knocking back antifreeze like it's nothing, having the time of his life. Now, antifreeze is very poisonous, as you probably know, but the reason that he was able to drink it without it harming him is, amazingly, booze can actually act as an antidote for antifreeze poisoning. Ethanol counteracts ethylene glycol poisoning, the thing that kills you if you drink antifreeze. So without realising it, the murder trust had essentially filled Malloy full of antidote before trying to poison him with antifreeze. Anyway, they didn't stop there. Uh, their attempts to, to poison this poor bloke got wilder and wilder. After the antifreeze didn't phase him, they tried, they tried turpentine, which didn't work either. And then horse liniment, a heat rub for horses. And then when that didn't work either, they abandoned all pretense and just started mixing rat poison in with his drinks. But as the days passed... This didn't touch Malloy. He's sinking back these would-be lethal cocktails. They're doing nothing to him. And the murder trust is starting to get increasingly frustrated about their efforts because this bloke just will not die. He's drinking rat poison and it's not doing a thing to him. One of the blokes at this stage suggests that they just bloody shoot him in their head and be done with it. But, I mean, that'd be a difficult sell for the uh, for the coroner there, you know, especially with the life insurance on the line. Oh, yeah, he tripped over and fell on a bullet. So no, instead, they ramped up from the horse liniment and the rat poison. They moved on to wood alcohol, methanol, which can blind you if you drink even a small amount, and it doesn't take much more than that to just kill you. But if you'll believe it, Malloy is knocking back the wood alcohol like it was bloody Evian water, mate. Didn't bother him at all. He didn't even realise that his whiskey had been switched out. And again, the reason for this is that the ethanol in regular liquor can act as an antidote to methanol poisoning. So Malloy, again, primed and ready to put away pure wood alcohol, no worries at all. So the murder trust are now absolutely desperate and they tried everything that they could think of. Pasqua claimed to have seen a man die after eating oysters while drinking whiskey. So they soaked some oysters in wood alcohol and gave them to Malloy, but again, down the hatch, didn't touch the sides, and Malloy is still standing. This bloke is absolutely indestructible. The story goes that the group then gave him a sandwich filled with off sardines, which is, you know, gross, but hardly lethal, except they'd also laced the sardines with rat poison, which should definitely be lethal. Now, I mean, that should do the job, but just in case that wasn't enough, they went full Looney Tunes cartoon villain as well and hid carpet tacks in the sandwich too. Utterly ridiculous and, against Iron Mike Malloy, utterly ineffective. He gobbled up the sandwich and returned to the booze, or wood alcohol now, completely unbothered. The old sardine and carpet tack special going down a real treat, it seems. 
Until now, the group hadn't wanted to freeze Malloy to death given that Marino had already received a life insurance payout with that as a cause of death. But now they are so sick of waiting for this bloke to die. And it's still winter. It's still cold enough to give Malloy the old Mabel Carson treatment. So they decide that's what they're going to do. The next time Malloy came in to get blasted, he was given enough alcohol to make him pass out. And the murder trust then dumped him in the snow in an empty park, freezing cold outside it was. They soaked him with water before leaving him there to freeze to death. But even this wasn't enough because Malloy was found, passed out in the snow, was found by the cops. They took him to a homeless shelter where he warmed up, slept off the drink. And the next day he was back at the bar drinking again and the murder trust are tearing their hair out. How are they going to bloody kill this bloke? Desperate times call for desperate measures. They decided to put the matter beyond any doubt and so took the plot to a whole new level. They enlisted a cab driver, Hershey Green, paid him 150 bucks, and once again plied Malloy with drink until he keeled over unconscious. They loaded him into Green's cab, drove to a quiet part of town, and then Green ran Malloy over with the car and then backed over his unconscious body just for good measure before they all got in the car and scarpered. Surely this would do it. The murder trust returned to the bar and over the next couple of days kept an eye on the papers for a death notice. Poor bloke being found, run down in the street. Oh, terrible thing. Now let's go and get that life insurance payment. But of course, there was no such death notice because there was no such death. Although Malloy failed to materialise in the bar, the murder trust was left wondering what had happened to him. But then three weeks later, who should come in? Malloy saunters back into Marino's bar, chipper as anything, looking forward to another drink. He'd been in hospital with broken bones, but was all rested up and good to go. Have had a drink there, mate. This bloke was absolutely unkillable. Antifreeze, horse liniment, rat poison, wood alcohol, carpet tacks in a sandwich, freezing conditions, and now being run over with a car, nothing could touch him. An absolute disaster for the murder trust who had cooked up this scheme to make money, but now have lost considerable funds to their efforts to kill poor old Malloy. There's the cost of all the alcohol and the poisons and the oysters, but also the monthly premium for the life insurance policy. They're being bled dry. So no, absolutely not. They are not leaving it to chance this time. When Malloy passes out after another session on the jars, They took him back to Murphy's room. They inserted a hose attached to a gas jet into his mouth. They smothered the rest of his face with a towel so he had to breathe in the gas through the hose. And this finally killed Iron Mike Malloy, the Irish Rasputin, dead at last after surviving so much else. That was the end of him. The trust found a crooked doctor who they paid off more money for a uh, for a false death certificate saying that Malloy had died of pneumonia and they arranged for a swift burial before he could undergo a, uh, a proper or more rigorous medical examination. And they then at last went to collect on the life insurance policies that they'd taken out and believe it or not, Julie received their payouts just like that. However... It only got worse from there for these blokes. They began by squabbling over how the loot should be shared out, but this was just the start of their problems because stories of this indestructible Irishman had spread so far throughout New York 
it got to the point that the cops had caught wind of the tale of Iron Mike Malloy. And after hearing that he had finally, after all, died, they decided to take a closer look just to make sure of what had happened, especially, of course, with the insurance payout. Malloy's corpse was exhumed. It was examined by doctors who weren't, you know, shonky and on the take. And sure enough, they found that he had been murdered. And it wasn't long after this that the murder trust was rounded up and all four of them put on trial for murder. They were found guilty and they were sent to the electric chair in mid-1934, executed for their crimes. But you'd have to think that if it had been Iron Mike Malloy in the electric chair there at Sing Sing, that he would have caused a bloody blackout across New York City before the chair would have killed him. 